Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this morning, live and in person, Friday, November 24th, 2023. Uh, some of you are late in arriving that like to join us each day. Uh, maybe you're out trying to snag some of the important sale items for your holiday or something, who knows, <laughs> whatever. You can watch and listen uh, anytime during the day. Or the next day, or the next week, or the next year, or the next decade, or uh, what, century, or millennia. Uh, as long as it's out there and floating about in the ether, it's available for you. And um, you can listen or watch, so you have that option as well. So if you're going about some holiday today and you want to just listen along, you can do that as well. All right. And we're actually going to look at some alternative Thanksgiving readings today, not the ones that uh, are appointed for the uh, one-year lectionary, which is the lectionary we use for Sunday and festivals, uh, but uh, I think assigned perhaps for another series of the three-year, I think. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about uh, giving thanks to God by recognizing his gifts and being attentive to them. We talked about that a little bit in the sermon on Wednesday night, actually quite a bit, um, but we're going to do it from another perspective here today. All right, and talk about how uh, it is right that the holidays uh, have that focus, starting even with Thanksgiving, but all the way then through um, through the Christmas holidays, on not just receiving but giving, right? And uh, that's part of giving thanks is actually uh, turning to our neighbor in love, and so we'll discuss that today. All right, good devotions up on the screen. Uh, you can pray along with me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, our psalm this week is Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth and your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God our God shall bless us, God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, we say our memory verse this week, or this week, I should say. No one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. Okay, Catechism, uh, the Creed, third article of the Creed this week. Next week, we start the Lord's Prayer. But we confess uh, the third article. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, 
sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. All right, our first reading today uh, is from Proverbs chapter 4. And if you remember, Proverbs can be a little bit challenging as a book, um, not because we don't like practical uh, life wisdom, the instruction of a father to a son, for example, and uh, keeping with the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother, which means that, that you listen to them and you do what they say, you even hold your tongue when you don't agree with them. Um, they often know better than you. <laughs> and uh, so this is the wisdom of a, a father to a son. And it comes off, though, um, by way of, uh, what do you want to say, um, short, pithy phrases, not necessarily all tied together um, thematically. So that's where it gets challenging. I think um, the way the proverb ought to be read, perhaps, is um, to um, read one and meditate upon it and consider it. Maybe not like a whole chapter at a time. All right. Um, but there is a theme in here that we want to be especially attentive to um, on this day. All right, and I'll point that out. Proverbs 4, beginning in verse 20. My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let, let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from your, you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn from the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. All right, so this is an exception. The first few chapters of Proverbs um, have some of these exceptions where um, each of the Proverbs in a row, um, they, they seem to build upon the previous. All right, so it begins, of course, with that uh, instruction to listen to your father. Right, listen to his words, and uh, don't let them depart. And then the key there in verse 21 is to keep them in the midst of your heart. We've talked about this before, but in the uh, ancient Near East especially, or in the Near East in general, it's a little different than Western um, thought or European thought, in that um, the heart is not necessarily the seat of emotion, as we think of it, you know, think uh, Valentine's Day and the hearts, you know, it's, we talk about love. But the heart is the is what drives um, the intellect. It's the seat of the intellect, of thought, and of, of knowledge and of wisdom. So where the heart is, um, what does Jesus say? There, or something where the heart, oh, no, that's not Jesus. <laughs> that's a different expression. Something. Home is where the heart is. There we go. Home is where the heart is. Um, it is actually a pretty good reflection on, on what we're reading here, is that in the home where the Father instructs, um, that's where your heart is to dwell, right, and to receive uh, wisdom. So in this case, um, the heart, the words that are in the heart are life to those who find them if they're from God, right, and health to all their flesh. So then there's the uh, direction to keep your heart safe, secure, in the word with all diligence, because from it, the rest of your life will follow, right? So uh, this is about being attentive to the word of God, keeping it in the heart, Right, and uh, that will inform then how you think. Uh, there was the mm, I'm trying to remember who this was who said that. Oh, it's the new speaker of the house. Um, somebody asked him, you know, how do you how do you think about the world, or how does your faith affect you? I think, 
was maybe the question. And he said that his worldview, so the way that he understands reality, is informed by the scriptures. Right? And he's and he's right. They ought to be as a Christian, that you understand everything in light of God's word. Um, but not only understand everything, but actually uh, walk, uh, which he talks about here, and speak and look uh, according to that word. Right? So put away from you uh, your deceitful mouth and put away from you a deceitful mouth. So don't lie. Tell the truth. Um, perverse lips. Don't distort or, or manipulate, but tell, um, speak honestly and faithfully. Let your eyes look straight ahead, right? So don't uh, you think of the eyes are the often the source of sin, or at least the way that sin enters into the heart, that rebellion against God. So uh, you know she saw that the fruit uh, was good to eat, right? Uh, with Eve, or uh, we talk about lust. You know, the breaking the sixth commandment starts with the eyes. Always starts with the eyes. Um, let's see. Ponder the path of your feet, so that the way that you go, and let your ways be established again by the words which you've inclined to, which now dwell in your heart, and thereby you can actually remove your foot from evil. All right. And so, uh, again, to be informed by God's word means to have that word in your heart. And it doesn't just mean you have uh, affection or some kind of emotional response to the word, but namely that it informs the way you think and and act, think and speak and do. Okay. Um, And again, that word is going to come from your father, and if not your father, then God will raise up someone else to speak that word to you, that it be in your heart, right? But normally, ordinarily, it is to be um, the effect of the home is that the father teaches the children the word. All right. And in such a way, uh, Moses actually serves as a spiritual father to the nation. And so that's what we're going to hear here in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Um, so this is Moses uh, doing the same thing, but with a whole nation. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, see there, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you the man or make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Uh, Bread from heaven. Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart, there it is again, that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. So this is God informing the heart by action and word. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks and water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given to you. All right. Uh, so there is definitely a, a text for post-Thanksgiving, <laughs> the day after Thanksgiving. When you have eaten and are full. I'm having a, a very light um, morning refreshment, which is milk. <laughs> That's all I'm having. Of course, raw milk. None of that not pasteurized, homogenized nonsense. All right. Um, let's see. Yeah. So the uh, same sort of themes we're, we're seeing here in this text, right? Uh, the nature, uh, the need for the heart to be well informed, 
Right? You could also say the conscience, if you prefer to speak that way. Let the conscience be informed with God's word, um, knowing when it has done wrong or when it's trusting in itself or other things. Right. So then God humbled um, the people, so he humbles you. That is, he takes away from you the things you trust so that you turn and trust to him alone. Right? Shows, him, shows you the way that you should walk, like where to go here, and then um, p- provides for you. Right? But he does so by way of promise. All right. So uh, a couple things we want to talk about then in relation to these two texts. First, uh, Luther, in his commentary on this text, has um, uh, got some good things to say. So listen to this. In this chapter, however, um, we have a different sort of discourse. He discusses the occasion which prosperity and abundance provide for transgressing the first commandment. Prosperity and abundance provide uh, for transgressing the first commandment. They turn the heart away much more strongly than adversity and want do as he says in his song, Deuteronomy 32.15, having become swollen, fat, thick, he rebelled. And Proverbs 1.32, the prosperity of the foolish destroys them. As is also said in the German proverb, you need strong legs to hold up under good days. For man endures evil more easily than good. As the poet says, luxury has invaded as a deadlier foe. Oh, who, who said that? Uh, probably Juvenal, actually, the Roman poet. All right, so... Um, prosperity and abundance provide opportunity to rebel against the first commandment. Who needs God when you have everything you need, right? Yeah. And then you shall remember. Uh, First he says that the nation was afflicted and tried by God in the desert for 40 years in order that what was in its heart should become known, namely, whether it loved God with a sincere mind or for the sake of the belly. For even we ourselves do not understand our heart, which is always open to God, very clearly, we don't understand very clearly whether it serves God for the sake of the belly or not, unless we are tested by want and evils. The faithful heart loves, believes, and serves while it struggles with want and evils, just as it does in the midst of wealth and goods. The unfaithful heart, however, believes when wealth is present, but draws back when evils rush in. As uh, Psalm seventy-eight thirty-six to 37 says, the heart was not right with him, and they lied to him with his tongue. All right. So uh, this is also true not just for individuals. Of course, uh, especially know this is true. Uh, when things are going well for you in your life, um, you know, prayer and confession and attention to God's word is probably lacking. When things are a struggle, um, that's when you turn to God in, in prayer, right? Or hopefully. And this is also true corporately for uh, Christian communities like a congregation, that when things are going well, you're not attentive to the things that matter, namely his word being implanted in the heart, right? Receiving that bread from heaven, which is why how man lives is by the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Right? But when things get difficult, that's when um, even a Christian congregation ought to, to direct um, the heart back to receiving God's word for faith in life, to trust in him. Um, and of course, difficult here for a congregation usually means uh, monetarily, you know, talking about wealth. And to say, to ask uh, important questions. Uh, What has God given us to do? What has he provided for us? How can we accomplish um, what we'd like to do according to God's word um, or under God's command, especially? How can we do that in a way that's uh, frugal and fiscal, fiscally responsible, right? A good steward of the gifts that God has given. Um, Historically, the church has been opposed um, to the use of, um, of loans, of borrowing with interest. Not just individually private, or corporately, excuse me, individually or privately, um, that 
we had a strong distrust of banks, and we also thought that banking was uh, generally um, uh, sinful, actually, um, to loan with, with the expectation of interest. Okay, So that's the first point. Um, but also then congregations uh, would not borrow money um, to build or to... And, and we really set that aside about 100 years ago or less, and uh, we're still reeling, I think, from the consequences of living outside of our means, spending money that we don't have. Um, some would say, well, that's you're putting your trust in God. Well, you're also um, being unequally yoked to the lender, and now the lender actually has more authority over you than God's Word, at least physically speaking, or you've given them more authority than God's Word would give them. All right, so... Um, spending money you don't have it would be uh, a way that God will then turn around and chasten you um, because uh, you may be facing severe loss, bankruptcy, you know, all sorts of uh, consequences. And uh, you ask, well, Lord, why did you forget us? No, um, actually, you just lived apart from um, even just the simple proverb, not to be, uh, not to loan with interest, right? And not to subject yourself to that. All right. So, Again, that's where you turn to God's word and say, how did we go wrong? Oh, yes. God told us not to actually do that. <laughs> you see how that is? All right. Um, and of course, he is leading us into prosperity, but that prosperity is not necessarily realized in this life, although um, sometimes in, in places and for a moment, right, there may be a great deal of prosperity. The enrollment of, uh, for example, here in our school today is the same as it was in the early 40s and late 30s, you know, 30 to 20 to 30 children. That was typical for our congregation, except for a period of time after World War II, you know, in the 50s and 60s, where we peaked at about, and then uh, late 90s again, a second little wave there, um, you know, between 90 and 100 so, all right? And and now that's ret that's retracted, because um, perhaps we got complacent, and we uh, overextended ourselves, and we weren't necessarily attentive. All right. So, uh, let's see, where were we? This is Luther, right? But the gift of manna... Um, by the gift of manna, man is shown to live by the word of God. What is the connection? Is manna perhaps the word of God? By no means. But he sets rather amply that he, which uh, what he had said about poverty, namely, before he gave you manna, he let you first suffer hunger. This he did in order to show you that even if manna never came, he would nevertheless sustain you by his word, by which he has promised that he, that he would be to you a God who would not forsake you, who could sustain you just as he did sustain you. For faith in the word of God, even in the midst of hunger, nourishes not only the soul, but also the body. That is, as he says here, the whole man. That's an incredible statement, Luther. It is impossible for one who has faith in the word to per perish, even if he eats or drinks nothing for the body. Do we really believe that? Huh. Although God does not truly forsake, since finally in his time he gives bodily nourishment, as he fed Elijah by the means of the ravens, as he fed the widow of Zarephath, and as he here fed the fathers with manna. Therefore, when he shows that man does not live by bread alone, this pertains not only to manna, but to both conditions, namely both to the affliction of hunger and to the abundance of manna. Thus the meaning is this. God wanted to show you this goodness of his through your own experience, that in, you, in hunger you might learn to believe the word of him who promised, be sustained by it in hunger and not perish, and then finally by this faith receive the satisfaction of your bodily needs. All this he does in order to remove from you the idol of your belly and to teach you that life of man, that the life of man does not rest in this, that the belly is provided with its bread, but that both parts belong to it, namely soul and body. This you would never learn if your belly 
We're always satisfied, and you never learn through the word to trust in God while your belly is in need. All right. For if bread is lacking, then he lives through the word. When he has this by faith, then the bread must follow, even if it has has to be produced from the rock or as, as here sent from heaven. You see, therefore, that nothing but faith is taught by these words. By it, we hold fast unto God and believe that we have God, as the first commandment says. Isn't that incredible? Hunger exercises his faith in, in the word, but then faith gains food also for the body. Therefore, the splendid word of Moses stands, that God deals with his own by testing them with hunger and exercising them in his word, and then feeds the believer from the midst of heaven if it cannot be done otherwise. Thus they are able to learn by experience that they should not be concerned for their belly, and that life does not lie in the things that we possess, or in the bread, but but in the word by which we become rich toward God, as the gospel says. Uh, Luke twelve fifteen, right? Take heed that and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. For while we live by the word in the heart, we force God, as it were, to feed the belly too. Oh, he just keeps going. This is really a great section. With these words, he would teach them that nothing is lacking to those who live by the word and believe, but that we should be under the care of God in all things and through all things, casting every care upon him, because he himself takes care of you. First Peter 5. And Psalm 34.10, those seeking God shall lack no good thing. To understand these and similar wonderful and faithful promises of God is truly to understand the promise of the first commandment in which he says, I am the Lord your God. Yours, yours, he says, who will show and display myself to you as God and will not forsake you if only you believe this. All such promises depend on and flow from the first commandment. On the other hand, not to believe them is indeed not to understand the commandment, but to have other gods. All right. Um, But then it also applies um, in the midst of abundance, as we said. Right, So in the abundance, they, Israel, are to recall how once in the midst of want they were nourished by the word with manna, they are to ponder this example and teaching again and to learn to trust God for some other reason than they have enough or satisfied and that their belly is well provided for. All right, So when the belly is full, you can't use that as a, as a uh, um, or you can use that as an example and teaching again for trust. Trust based on that which is not a trust in God, but rather in wealth and gifts, which has been received, right? That would be wrong. Because of such trust, they forget both true trust and the word of God and never learn to have faith in God when they are in want. As I have said, it is a great thing and and the work of a rich spirit not to forget God when affairs prosper and to conduct yourself with Paul as if you had nothing, to use the world as if you did not uh, use it. That's uh, 1 Corinthians 7. To know how to endure want and to abound, to know how to be low and to be high, and with the prophet not to attach the heart to wealth when it abounds and not to be become vain, but to cling to God alone. All right. Oh, there's so much good here, but we'll leave it. Leave that section uh, where we have it. All right. And I would suggest that um, then the way to find true contentment and to not either trust in wealth when you have it um, or to despair of God when you don't have what you need for your body is, of course, to be steadfast in God's word, but practically speaking, to trust in God's word and to not hold on tightly um, to earthly things at all, right? Now, I know we're all caught up in this, um, especially if you've been paying attention to the to economics and uh, what's happening uh, internationally with um, the, the fiat uh, currency system in all the countries, especially with the U.S. dollar. 
um, that the likelihood that there is going to be a significant economic uh, retraction is very, very high. I, I think it's inevitable. Um, just question of not when, uh, what, but when, right? But you can get all hung up or caught up on that um, and trying to prepare for such an eventuality. And uh, that isn't to say you can't, you can't or you shouldn't. But on the other hand, um, is it actually under God's care or providence? Are you under God's care and providence? Can you actually be prepared, say, uh, for example, to retire? Uh, well, we had a period of time under an economic kind of setup where people could actually uh, squirrel away money and, or um, yeah, money, actual money, not currency, you know, stocks, bonds, options, those kind of things, um, homes and, and precious metals or whatever, and then have enough assets um, to live comfortably uh, without work at a certain age, right? So there was a time where that could happen. They may not be able, to, we may not be able to continue that course. Uh, but so what, right? See, so this is the point. And why are we so concerned about storing up money for a rainy day? Uh, when hmm, maybe, as Luther said, uh, our emphasis or our focus should be on being attentive to the true bread from heaven, which is God's word, and letting God provide um, from our work and from uh, the generosity of others after that. And there's the other practical advice, all right? is that one of the ways to avoid the idol of the belly, or of wealth, as Luther called it, the idol of the belly, I love that, is to give it away, right? To live in a life of charity and generosity um, for one another, right? Or to make friends by uh, means of unrighteous wealth, as they say, as Jesus said, right? And you can see this in Luther's commentary in Galatians, um, when he's talking about the commandment, this is in Galatians 5, the commandment that the whole law is fulfilled with this one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to what he has to say about this. Uh, in the first place, how many describe what must be said and what must be done and what must be endured, what must be thought? Surely there are many things men can do to one another when there are so many senses, so many members, so many charges, so many cases so that uh, the making of laws and of books, there is no end. For how many commandments the tongue alone requires? How many eyes? How many ears? How many hands? How many sense of taste? How many the sense of touch? Then too, how many the household requires? And how, how many one's friends? A countless rep, oh, countless reptiles. If you do not believe this, look at the exceedingly unfruitful study of rights and laws that goes on today. Well, that's still true today. But with what brevity, how quickly, how effectively, this commandment to love your neighbor as yourself takes care of everything. It lays its hand on the head, on the source, on the root of all things, on the heart, I say, out of which, accordingly, according to Proverbs, proceeds either life or death. Since indeed, among the other works of men, some are more internal, others more external, but not one is more intimate than love, than which nothing is found more deeply hidden in the human heart. When this emotion of the heart has been set on the right course, the other parts are no longer in need of any commandments, for everything flows out of this disposition of the heart. Right? So we said, the love of God dwelling in the heart by the word, right? it's the word that does that, then informs the whole life of, of the believer. Right? What they say, what they do, um, and, and um, how they walk, etc. When this emotion of the heart has been set on the right course, the other parts no longer need any commandments, for everything flows out of this disposition of the heart. At this is, so is everything. And without it, all other things are foolish exertions. Of these, Ecclesiastes 10.15 says, The toil of, of a fool wearies him. On the other hand, Proverbs 14.6 says, 
Knowledge is easy for a man of understanding, that is, to stand under God's word. For this reason the prophets call the righteousness of men labor and sorrow. Psalm 7.14 we read, uh, He was conceived, or has conceived sorrow and brought forth iniquity. Likewise, sorrow will be turned on its head. And in another psalm we read, Let the mischief of their lips overwhelm them. And in Psalm uh, 10 verse 7 it's written, Under his tongue is labor and sorrow. Okay, So um, you note how Luther says that in this world there's no end of uh, the unfruitful study of rights and laws. Right? Uh, we have an extraordinarily complicated legal code in our country. And the reason for that, and Luther's right about this, and there is because uh, we have neglected the simpler thing, which is actually uh, God's word, and namely the love of Jesus, uh, the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, that he would suffer and die for, for his friends to forgive them. Right? Um, if we were attentive to that, first and foremost, if that was what was on our heart, all the other um, needs of uh, both for us and for our neighbor would be attended to. That's the assertion that Luther makes, and I think he's right. As uh, some people have noticed that the uh, the laws have become unmo- our civil laws have become unmoored or un- are disconnected from um, a, a deep moral sense that we have in common. So we've la- we no longer have a moral sense in common, and so our laws no longer um, are well. They're not applied equally uh, to all people. Um, they're often used or manipulated in, um, you know, in a vindictive sense, where the where the state will oppress their political enemies, um, but show favor to their own with the same laws. Right? Why is that? Because the uh, universal law of faith toward God and love for neighbor is, is absent, and where that's absent, then there will be no end of other kinds of laws and talks of rights, um, rights that have no basis in any kind of natural law or common law that we. Uh, or uh, co- social contract, as Locke would call it, right? John Locke. Um, so even the most atheistic of um, of our founding fathers of our country uh, recognized that without without the Christian moral, um, if you like, compass or foundation, that is, without this co- simple command from God, um, uh, what's the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Without that, nothing else uh, there is no other basis for law that actually uh, we can have in common um, that's true and right. And then, um, as a consequence, then the uh, the state becomes this, uh, what Locke called, uh, I think it was Locke, was it Locke again? Leviathan? You know, this great monster that, that consumes everything. Right? This is actually the Christian response to the oppression of the state, is to say, you're trying to do something, but you have no reason or basis to do it. You don't even understand why you're doing what you're doing. You know that something's wrong, but you're not actually um, getting the solution from where it comes, which is actually from the truth of God's word. All right. Uh, so, yeah, man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. All right, so be attentive, be thankful um, for God's word first and foremost, and then everything else will follow, including your Black Friday deals, I suppose. All right. Let's sing uh, the first four stanzas of our hymn. Maybe tomorrow we'll sing the whole thing. We'll see. Surely as I live, God said, I will.
repentant, living endless days. And so our Lord gave this command, Go forth and preach in every land. Bestow on hope by parting grace, who will repent and mend their ways. All those whose sins you thus remit, I truly pardon and acquit. And those whose sins you will retain, condemned and guilty, shall remain. What you will bind, that bound shall be. What you will lose, that shall be free. To my dear Lord, the keys are given to hope and close the gates of heaven. My dear church. There we go. <laughs> All right, very good. I don't think we have a commemoration this day. Let's check to make sure. Nope, no commemoration today. All right, let us pray. Stir up, O Lord, the wills of your faithful people, that they, plenteously bringing forth the fruit of good works, may by you be plenteously rewarded. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray today for the uh, preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for its spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted and for the sick and dying. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Uh, we pray this day, um, with those celebrating their birthday, especially William, those who rejoice in their baptism, Grayson, the households of our church, Don and Jean, Chad and Mindy, Dick, Julie, Angie, Matt and Allie. We give thanks to God for the work of the auction committee and its volunteers and the generosity of the people. Uh, we pray for our catechumens. We pray for all those ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially this day with Allison, Joe, Dennis, Len, Walt, Christopher, Sophie, and Brad, Ron, Doug, Donna, Joan, Sandy, Owen, and Wendell, Jolene, District uh, President Willie, and Darlene, Ruth, niece of Ruth McKenna. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. I pray this day for those who are homebound and for the missions and mercy work of the church and especially those grieving uh, the family and friends of Marion. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, I hope you had a blessed Thanksgiving. Um, maybe had some time to spend with family. I did. I drove to Lafayette and back. I didn't get back till late last night, but uh, what, what 
what a great uh, great day. We had kids in, in town as well. Um, able to get Elsie and uh, Gabe to come along. So that was great. Um, Gabe's going back to see his girlfriend's family today, I think. Uh, Elsie will go home too. So, um, But it was good. I hope it was a blessing for you too. Tomorrow we'll gather in the morning and we'll consider um, the readings for Sunday. Um, so that's a great way to prepare for Sunday morning. Sunday morning also we'll be blessed to have a baptism at uh, uh, at church. So that'll be our, the first thing, we'll have the baptism of Jackson. So we look forward to that. And then, um, of course, uh, Bible class is at 8.15. We had good attendance last week. I hope you can join us again this week. We'll be uh, moving along now finally into Ezekiel 40. And uh, after church on Sunday, we have voters' assembly, our quarter, quarterly voters' assembly. Uh, of course, there's action items that will be needed, need the congregation's approval there, um, but also reports so you can um, get up to speed as to the work of uh, the board of directors and the various committees that assist um, the faculty, staff, and board uh, in their work. All right, so uh, make plans for a, a nice full Sunday as well, and as con- join us in the morning for to prepare for that day. All right. God be with you all. Um, Enjoy the holiday. We'll see you soon. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org. That's stjohnrandomlake.org slash support and give today.